should start by crafting a haiku together. Mm. Okay, go for it. I love a good haiku. Okay. About about what? About us. As friends? The Poetry Club. <laughs> we like to write poems. Yes, we <laughs> do. It is fun. Yeah. <laughs> It's <laughs> terrible. A little bit of enjambment. Was... <laughs> 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 right, right, right. Welcome to the Courage 2 podcast. This is a very unique, special, out of the ordinary, out of the box episode. And this is part of two, but this is the first one. And I have with me around the microphone four friends who I will introduce in just a moment. But I need to give some context before we start this conversation. So all of us live in the same house. There's technically 21 of us who live in this house that is run by a really cool gap year program called Act 5. You should def definitely look up their website, check them out. But there are six of us who are considered residents who just live in this house as this gap year program for students is happening. So we've been living together since September of 2022. I almost forgot the year. and. I personally have learned a lot from these folk and something about all of them, <laughs> there's eight of them that you're eventually gonna meet, they all really like poetry. Now, I am someone who has never written poetry except in creative writing class in grade 11 and my teacher did not inspire creativeness in my poetry. So I had no desire to write poetry, but somehow these fine, lovely friends of mine who you will meet have something really cool in terms of their perspective on poetry. So we are going to talk about the courage behind writing poetry and also how that integrates in faith. So we have no idea where this episode's going to go. It could be chaos. It could be super serious. One just doesn't know. So welcome. And now I would like to introduce you to four of the eight people you're going to meet when it comes to poetry. I'm going to let them introduce themselves with their name and their educational focus so you get a glimpse of their passion. Mm. Okay, um, my name is Kat. Um, I live with Maddie, surprisingly, and um, I am uh, pursuing education in art history and urban planning. My name is Lauren. Um, I have a degree in English writing. Hmm. Uh, my name is Noah, and I recently graduated from McMaster with a degree in English and Cultural Studies. My name is Chris, and I am currently working on getting a degree in Software Engineering. So we've got some variety around this table. This will be fun. Okay, so here's where I want us to start. How did you first get into writing poetry? What kind of sparked the interest, the start? And yeah. Uh, yeah, I can speak to that. Um, <laughs> I first got into poetry. Um, <laughs> that was a really podcasty thing to say. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. <laughs> I first got into poetry in high in my high school creative writing class, which is interesting that you weren't inspired by your teacher. Nope. Um, it's a terrible teacher. Yeah. Were they excited about poetry? Uh, no. Mm. Not at all. And I think that's what like the difference is, mm -hmm. is that this English teacher like I really respected just for like the person that he was. Um, and so I think I valued his opinion just by default. 
Um, but then when he was talking about poetry, it was like with so much joy and excitement and like very much I got the sense that there's something there that I don't understand and I wanted to understand it because I wanted to be like him, kind of. Hmm. And so I think like some of the poetry assignments I had to write were pretty like impassionate, like I just did them because I had to. But then there were a few poems I remember writing that were like really meaningful to me. And I think that was sort of like an addictive process. Once I found sort of like, yeah, a poem that I liked and I thought that maybe I could keep doing that in the future. But your first poems were just like, because you had to do them. I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think I wrote a lot of like, not very memorable poems to sort of warm up into like a poem that actually felt true and worth sharing. Hmm. That's interesting because we had, Noah and I had the same um, high school teacher and I didn't get that vibe at all. I don't know, like, yeah, I don't really remember the poems we had to write, so I guess that didn't really spark it for me. It wasn't until like two months ago that I was like, poetry is cool, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Hmm. Um, what happened two months ago that sparked it for you? Honest, actually it was, I, Noah shared a poem about, I think you're gonna read it later, maybe, the one, it was like about dancing with God, and I was really just struck by it, and I was like, this seems like an interesting way to meditate on the Bible, and I wanted to try that. So then I wrote a poem about, I think it was John, like Jesus washing the disciples' feet, I was like, that was kind of cool, and then I showed it to my sister, and she was like, nice, you should write more poems. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Good feedback. And then I was hooked. <laughs> and I wrote a bunch more, and it was pretty fun. Huh. Okay. So we've got years of writing poetry, a couple months of writing poetry. You too? Well, <laughs> don't be fooled by my English writing. <laughs> education because I actually started writing poetry like not that long ago. <laughs> um, I mostly wrote like other genres like stories and stuff but poetry yeah I don't know I, I never I think the first time I actually started writing poetry um, was after there was a death in my family and then I just like had a lot of emotions and I didn't really know what to do with them um, and I yeah I just kind of like word vomited <laughs> and I, I yeah I don't know I poetry has been something that's really infrequent for me like I don't do it very often I did it in school um, and that was really cool and I enjoy reading a lot of poetry but mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty new to like writing it myself like without being in school like just because I want to what was it about that moment that you word vomited in poetry rather than story form? It's hard. Story, like, fiction writing is a lot more structured. And, like, you have to, like, create a whole character and create a plot and a narrative arc and all this stuff. Versus poetry can just be, like, literally anything you want it to be. Like, it could be, like, one word, <laughs> technically. Um, and I think it just is something that's a lot more inherently, like, emotional that felt more fitting for like a processing of grief than writing a story would. Yeah, I think that like 
when you sit down to write a story or fiction or anything like that, you sort of need to know where you're going to end up. Mm. It's a journey and there's a structure and when people read genres like, like novels or short stories, they're expecting to get to a place. Whereas I think poetry is more of just like a fragment of a journey. And so if you're in a place you don't really understand the end of the story, you're just kind of in it, then poetry works really well to just express just one part of a story. Mm -hmm. So would you say poetry is more unresolved? Like when you write a piece of poetry, does it have to have a conclusion or can it be just left to float? I think it can be either. Like I think there's a way to have an arc within a poem and to have a story within itself. And I think there's a lot of really good poems that do that, but I don't think that's like, if to have a good story, you need a good resolution. And you don't necessarily need that for a good poem. Hmm. I think. I trust you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before we keep getting into this, Catherine? Um, yeah, I think I relate to Lauren's, like, um, reading poetry as a way of getting into writing it. Because um, I read a lot of poetry growing up, and I think that kind of, like, wove its way into um, the way I processed things um, and also read a lot of psalms growing up. Um, and then again, high school English class had to write poetry and it was just terrible because I think <laughs> <laughs> I think I um, yeah, like I was learning the form but not what content actually makes poetry poetry still um, so I was using it for processing um, but I think it just was um, like a way of putting all my pessimism onto a page and then through that I like learned form um, and then later down the road when I was less pessimistic I feel like that form was still there and I was able to um, write real poetry through that learned. So I feel like I don't know when it really started because it was kind of a journey through a lot of different avenues. Okay, I want to go on the journey in a second, but um, you said real poetry. Is there such thing as real poetry and fake poetry? Hmm. <laughs> um, I think so. Um, but I think so from like a faith-centered perspective, I think. Um, Noah and I had talked about what it means to be a poet um, a while back, and Noah had said that to be a poet you have to um, kind of be always paying attention and like finding moments of beauty throughout the day that's like poetry worthy. Um, and I think real poetry is when you're looking for those moments of beauty and like bringing attention to it and bringing attention to truth and goodness, um, which is different from, I think, the fake poetry that I've made in the past that was more just pessimism or, um, uh, yeah. Maybe like the words like real and fake aren't the most helpful mm. to, to distinguish. Like maybe like genuine and ingenuine 
poetry would be a better way of describing it because I feel like poetry seems very inaccessible to people but like you can just write a poem and it might be really bad but it if it's not prose I would say that it is a poem mm. and I think you often have like imposter syndrome if you start writing poetry because we have an idea that like a poet is a certain way when really poets are just people who write poetry <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like Kat's early poetry is maybe not something she was proud of but I think it was still poetry mm. maybe it was just bad poetry <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think there's something there in terms of even just like the journey because would you say you have to go through like the quote-unquote fake, fake or disingenuous poetry writing to actually get to the genuine because even like Noah when you started it was just you have to write it for an assignment but then it turned into something different so would you say when you all started it had to start in a place of this feels awkward and weird and not normal to then get to a place where you now consider yourself poets because you're all poets I'll just declare that. <laughs> I think it still feels awkward and weird and not normal a lot of the time. Yeah. Like, I think a big part of what poetry is, and maybe what art is in general, is just leaning into the awkwardness of thing, certain things and just being like, this is weird. <laughs> and, like, you just have to accept it and run with it. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and I think poetry captures the, like, many different layers of emotion and truth, and that is never... Uh, comfortable thing so it's always gonna be messy but that's like the value of it over other art forms in some ways yeah I agree yeah I think it should be awkward most of the time um, I think like we put a lot of pressure on ourselves like if we're going to write a poem that it has to be a good poem but I think like realistically at least the way I write poetry it's that's not the case at all like, I have a document on my computer with, like, 10,000 words, and it's all poetry, and probably, like, I would share five poems from there that I feel like are true or, like, useful to people. <laughs> and so I think, like, if we have a little bit less pressure on ourselves to produce, like, good poetry every time, then it, the process is less awkward. So of all things that you guys could be spending your time on, why have you chosen to practice something that feels awkward? Like you're intentionally putting yourself in a place that's like uncomfortable, weird, doesn't always feel natural and normal, yet you continue to practice it. Why? Because that's like, I don't know, it's the only way, not the only way, but it's a good way to help you grow and to like look inside yourself in a way that you can't with other art forms maybe because it's something that's i feel like poetry is just so personal and like so vulnerable just by virtue of what it is like as as a writer like if i write a story i feel a lot less worried about sharing it than i do about poetry and i think it's because i just like it's poetry is more of an expression of the self and i think the awkwardness is like key to making it genuine mm. so like when you I don't know that's a good thing to practice I think yeah because if a poem is good and like when I say good I mean like true 
if a poem is true, it, it came from you. And it's expressing something deeply true about either you or something you've seen in the world, which is inseparable from yourself, because it's you who's seeing the world. Mm-hmm. I think that if you talk about like awkwardness or like trying to avoid awkwardness or embrace awkwardness, I think awkwardness is pretty inherent to all of our lives, like messy brokenness, confusion is inescapable. And so poetry is like a response to that unavoidable awkwardness. And I think that if you're not channeling some sort of art form or some strategy to like give voice to those things that you can't really give voice to, then the awkwardness is gonna occur in other ways. (laughs) They'll get you. (laughs) Sneak up on you. Okay, so Chris, you talked about how when you first started writing poetry, it for you was a way of wanting to integrate with your faith and reading scripture and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So kind of broad question for all of you is how, how does writing poetry integrate into your faith, if at all? Whether that be like a direct integration or an indirect integration. Um, yeah, and how has like reading or writing poetry either enhanced and or challenged your faith journey with God? Or is it totally separate? <laughs> I think for me at least like it started off with that first poem. It was connected. It was a pretty interesting way to meditate on that and like relate it to my life because yeah, I don't know. I think scripture provides like an interesting like foundation or like there's truth there and if you're trying to I think there's something to like poetry that forces you to observe something carefully and deeply and if you like are focused on a bit of scripture and then you have to like try and write something true and genuine to make it actually poetry as we establish um then yeah, you just can connect with that person a lot deeper of a way Mm. and I think that's really valuable that's what I found at least Mm. yeah I feel like for me um, I really see a big part of like sanctification like becoming more like Jesus I see that um, in like transforming the way that you see the world and particularly people in the world but the world as a whole. I think that we are just naturally inclined to like a lot of apathy when we look at the world, particularly it's like its beauty and also its brokenness. Um, But I think for me, like poetry forces me to pay attention to those things because I've found those are the, the source material kind of to make the poems that I have found I resonate with the most and other people resonate with the most and so I think when I'm in a place where I'm writing a lot of poetry I find myself looking at the world in a way that I think is more aligned with the way that God looks at the world than the way I would be inclined to look at it without God. Mm, That's really cool Mm -hmm. and I definitely feel that with reading poetry maybe more for myself like the poems I've read have just been focused on the beauty in the world and that is such a it's so cool I think that's maybe my favorite part of poetry right there Mm 
-hmm. But yeah, just to observe better. I think there's something about reading poetry too um, that like since it is such a personal thing oftentimes when it's genuine um, and you read a poem and you relate to it you're kind of struck with um, the reality of like your humanness and how this is another human you may have never met before or maybe lived in a completely different time period but this very specific emotion you've both felt and it kind of unites you in your humanness with um like the communion of saints i really like that idea too because i think that the more human we feel the more we will feel our need for God. I don't think those two are like different ideas. And so like, even if like more humanist poetry, which I think some Christians are a little bit more afraid of, like the humanism movement, but an art form that makes you like really think about being a person, like a person who will die, really like focuses your attention on God. So you guys, all of you have brought up this idea of like paying attention and focusing. So what does that like look like for you? Does it, is it like a muscle that you've just built? And so when you're interacting with people or walking down the street, you've just built this muscle of paying attention that you just start seeing things or are there certain like questions that you ask yourself or do you take space in your day to like reflect on what you experienced and saw and then pull some things from that. Like what, how do you practice paying attention? Because it's so easy to just run through life and just move and do or totally numb out. But yet you've all talked about this idea of like paying attention. So how do you, how do you cultivate that? I think if you write one poem and you're like, that was pretty cool and you want to write another poem, but you're like, I don't know what to write that poem about. I think that like desire to express yourself more or for at least for me means that I'm like oh I need to look around and I think even just like having that in the back of my mind makes me more aware hmm. of what's going on around me. That's cool. Yeah I think it's the same for me and especially like something like our poetry club which I think we'll talk about later. Why don't you tell everyone what Poetry Club is? Oh, <laughs> perfect. So Poetry Club is a very loose club that we formed here <laughs> um, at the Act 5 house. Um, and it's pretty open to people to come and participate. There isn't really like a membership list or anything. There used to be a membership. There used to be a membership. Um, we used to have a really strict rule that you could only attend Poetry Club if you had an original poem to share. And the reason behind that was that we found that sharing poetry is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it makes your voice all shaky. I'm sure you, when we read our poems later, you'll hear our shaky voices. And this is what I mean. It makes your voice all shaky and there's just something horrifying about it. It's like exposing a nerve of your soul to other people for them to just look at and consume and judge you on and so it felt 
kind of justified that like if I have to show you that part of myself, then you have to do that too. And so we will hold each other accountable with this vulnerability. Um, but one of my really good friends kind of said that that was a terrible way to do it. And I think that I, I can see their point now. And so we've opened up <laughs> Poetry Club to, you can just listen, you can just listen to poetry because vulnerability is not something to like capitalize on. And that's mm. not really a, a mark of a, a healthy dynamic between people. And as a non-poetry writer, I appreciated when you opened it because then I get to actually be exposed to passionate poems. Yeah. Poets. And to be fair, like, if I hadn't heard my English teacher talk about poetry, I would not have written any poetry. It's not like I came to him with a nicely written poem and then got inspired. And so I think leaving it open to people to listen to poetry is a really good way to sort of share the gift, the medium. Hmm. What were you saying before we started describing Poetry Club? I can't remember at all. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> the thought is gone. About paying attention? We're talking about paying attention. Mm. Oh yeah, no, I was agreeing with Chris. Just that if you, when we've been meeting consistently, which we haven't really been, but when we have been, um, then you're thinking, oh, I need to write at least one poem. Mm. And for me, if I am gonna write at least one poem that I have to share, it usually means like 15 poems that are terrible and maybe one that's good. And so that, it's not like you see something in the world and that inspires you to suddenly write a poem. It's like you are searching like a treasure hunter for something to write a poem about. Mm -hmm. And that searching like fosters a really cool perspective on the world, like Chris was saying. Hmm. Sometimes you do just see something though and you're just like, oh, let me just get that down. <laughs> Like, I don't know, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I agree with Lauren, like, I think it depends on the person. I mean, we were talking about <laughs> attachment styles with poetry yesterday and how if I have tried in the past to have a routine and to write poetry consistently and it has just been terrible. There have been... 15 bad poems and no good ones. <laughs> um, so I, I think I've discovered that my poetry has an anxious attachment style. And so if I try to get it to come to me, it will run far away. And so I kind of have to just wait. Um, like I don't really care that much. Um, and then it'll like come a little close and I can grab it. Like a cat. Like a cat, yeah. <laughs> so then it is more just like moments of um I mean I guess this is similar to what you were saying of just like paying attention and um allowing yourself to be open to the things that are deserving of poetry to come to you but it always has felt less like I'm going to write poetry and more like poetry is making me write it yeah That's I'm deep. the same I think as well and to be fair, like, I might be just chasing the cat with my first 15 poems. <laughs> and then I just, like, give up, and then one of them kind of jumps out at me, like maybe the cat comes towards me. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, we maybe produce the same number of good poems. 
I just happened to have been chasing the cat around the apartment for hours and hours trying to find something good. We're both chasing the cat, just different tactics at the end of the day. You're working smarter and not harder. <laughs> good analogy. <laughs> Some good imagery. Um, there is something really interesting about what you're saying, Kat, because there's like, there's still a level of wanting to practice because there is, like, you have to put some time and energy into practicing it, but at the same time, not forcing it, and that that feels like a, like a tension. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like that, at the end of the day, too, just does come down to the person. I mean, try both and see what works for you. And in the end, I think you'll come to like a rhythm of poetry where, like Chris was saying, it's infectious. And then once you write a poem that feels true, you have to next time you find something that's true. And it's amazing that that truth is very transferable. Like if you write a poem that you feel is true, like I'm almost certain that I will receive it super well because of it's true and we all can just see that that something is true which again i think is like the part where faith comes into poetry where it's you're looking for what's true and what's good and what's beautiful and so when you write a poem that doesn't feel genuine it's because you're not interacting with like the holiness of what god's created you're interacting with something else that you're an idea of it. In. yeah mm-hmm. yeah what about when things are bad and dark and not good? Because like Lauren was talking about, poetry started for her when you know, it came out of a place of grief. So even in like the good and the beauty that can come out of poetry, what about the flip side of it? That is, the, like, that is also genuine though. Like I think the most important part is, is the truth of it. And the truth is that like bad and dark things do exist also and they affect us. And so like, but then there's beauty in that when you write poetry and when you like even in sharing it with others and people find moments of connection in in that process and that's like there's beauty in that but I think yeah that darkness and like bad things they gotta be expressed and dealt with somehow <laughs> you know I don't know yeah there's a deep like truth to grief and to suffering and that's a truth that God does not ever shy away from. Mm-hmm. Like when we hear that, like, blessed are the brokenhearted, that's because God is there in the brokenness. And so it is, it's just true, and it just needs to be said. Yeah. I think that is the difference too of what I was getting at earlier, like the difference between real poetry and pessimism of like, you can write a poem that is just sad and filled with grief and it's still good and true um or you can write a poem that's sad and full of grief and it's just kind of like wallowing Mm. okay so we've touched on this a little bit briefly but i want to pull some things out a little bit more so in our context we clearly live in a very high community context with so many of us running into each other all the time but also just the nature of the community we live in. We talk about community all the time and what that looks like. Um, And it's not as simple of a thing than you might think. Um, But how does something like 
poetry promote the coming together of community? Like what, what has poetry, how do poetry and community coexist together? How do they inform maybe the other in some way? I think poetry requires a lot of honesty as we've talked about before. It's like exposing a part of yourself that you wouldn't otherwise like have words to express or expose. And I think that community can't form deeply unless people are being honest. And I think we're often pretty uncomfortable with honesty in its deepest, rawest form. And so I think poetry is like a vehicle for honesty. If I write a poem that I feel is true and I share it with you, it has like expressed something deeply honest about myself. And that for me to do that is to trust you with that truth about myself. Um, and I think that's what building community is about. Hmm. Yeah, I think that honesty too, like Lauren was talking earlier about how there doesn't have to be a resolve um, in poetry in the same way as there ha has to be in a story. And um, I feel like it's, it's hard in a, in a conversation to be fully honest with people with emotions that you haven't figured out yet yourself or um, conflicts that you haven't figured out. Like it feels like when you are meeting with someone you have to already have a resolve figured out. Um, and that's not as intimate, I think, as um, like presenting things that are going on with you in its raw form before you have a resolve. Um, and I think poetry is a platform that makes that easier to do um, when you can't necessarily process um, like two contradicting truths at the same time or explain those in a conversation setting. They can be expressed in poetry through imagery or um, yeah, like unresolved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think also maybe poetry is just something that is like meant to be shared. Like, I don't know, like sometimes even more so than other art forms because it is something that is so deeply personal and something that is so like, like just so vulnerable that it can really be so meaningful when it's shared with other people. Um, like because of the honesty. Of and the honesty and the trust that it that it builds, um, and I think it's really cool when you do that in a community, mm. and you like expose your souls to each other. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something really beautiful that comes out of that. Mm. I think the other thing that I have heard from all of you is that it's taken other people that you've known to kind of spur you on towards going into poetry. So it's almost like. If I were to just solo walk my way into poetry, it might not be as vibrant as if like somebody close to me inspired. Like the whole reason that we're here is because I now know all of you and you have all sparked something in me. Not that I have written poetry yet, but uh, <laughs> one day. Um, but there's something about like needing to be close together and the passion kind of rubs off. And I was thinking of the verse of like, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And it's almost like in poetry, spur each other on to like 
keep paying attention and to keep wanting to be more loving and to keep, you know, watching and bearing your souls <laughs> to each other, I guess. Mm. Yeah, because the validation you get from putting something out there that, that feels a little bit confusing to you even, and then people saying, I relate with that, like that's so deeply rewarding. Mm. And that will always be enough to like keep you writing poetry. Mm. But it comes with a fear because I think that as rewarding as that is, it is painful to share something that you think is true and then like miss the mark and have other people like kind of not seeing it hmm. and that rarely happens actually i think that really rarely happens but that's the fear it is like really cool to see like how i don't know it's just always cool to see somebody or hear somebody else's poetry i think like it's very like all of the poems that we've shared together i think i've just really been like that was awesome i'm so glad i got to hear that regardless of what it is like it doesn't you don't need to have an excellent poem which is kind of cool and liberating mm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's like a gift that you receive mm -hmm. how has so we've talked a lot about like it's a very vulnerable fear inducing kind of practice how has leaning into that vulnerability and fear and the insecurity that comes with writing poetry and sharing poetry, have you seen it impact and influence other areas of your life? Maybe in general it just makes me, hopefully, <laughs> makes me just more of like an open and honest person in general. Because like, especially within this community, because when you share something that's like really deeply personal and it's received well and it's received like with grace and with kindness and then that like builds trust and respect for each other, which then like bleeds into how I interact with you guys. <laughs> and I'm just in general, I'm like more willing to share things and more willing to be open, which I think is really good. And that can even transfer over to like relationships outside of this community and make me just more open in general. Mm. I hope, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's something about, we touched on before, like the humanity of poetry. Um, even reading a poem from someone who's so different than you and resonating with like the truth that it is, I think that that just provides a lot of perspective for like interacting with anybody and just realizing that they're actually very similar to you in their fears and their joys and their worries. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it promotes a lot of empathy in general. I think art and writing in general should and just help us see each other as like fellow humans and then makes us more compassionate people. Mm. Okay, we're gonna, in a second, move to <laughs> you guys very courageously being vulnerable <laughs> in this space. It's okay, we're just looking at each other. There's no one else here. <laughs> uh, and you guys have been so gracious to share a piece of poetry with us but before we do that if you could give one piece of advice to someone who might be like hmm maybe i should try and write poetry what would you say to someone who's like where do i even begin 
start by reading some poetry. Because hmm. then you get an idea of what it could be. And that's a pretty nice introduction. Hmm. And it's pretty easy to do. You can like go to the library, get out a book of poetry, and there you go. You're on your way. <laughs> the libraries are going to be flooded <laughs> when this podcast episode drops. <laughs> I agree, though. Like, just start with reading poetry. Because when you start writing, it's, it's so wide. You don't know what kind of style you lean into, and you don't know what kind of poetry you actually like. And I feel like it's frustrating to be writing poetry that you don't like. Um, so, yeah, just read a lot of poetry and it will, um, influence you and you'll get to know the rhythms of it and get to know what you like and then just start writing. I think my advice would be to focus on imagery. I think that we tend to overcomplicate a lot and I don't think it's that bad. Um, I think when we encounter a really good poem, it feels deep and true and profound. And so I think we can try to start writing a poem that feels that way. We start with the feeling, um, but that's not really how poems are crafted, or at least the way that I have crafted successful poems. I think it's just as simple as like painting a picture of an image with some words. Um, and that image should be something that you feel is worth sharing. Um, and probably once you start doing that, you'll think of other images. And yeah, it's, it's not that hard. It doesn't need to be. <laughs> I do think that's interesting to like not worry about being profound. Like by focusing on like things you're familiar with and you can actually see and observe instead of like trying to write a poem about love, it'll probably be bad and silly. Like, you should focus on something small that you can actually see and describe. Mm. And that's probably better, and you'll end up with a better poem. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think kind of going off of that, too, um, just let your poems be bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> they don't need to be good every time. Like we were saying earlier, you write 15 bad poems and one good one. And, like... And sometimes none of them are good, and that's fine. Like, I think it's important to remember that you're always going to be your own worst critic. And, like, it, you just have to, like, accept that a bad first draft is better than no first draft. And you can just, like, you'll just get better with practice. Mm -hmm. So you got to just keep doing it. Yeah. I think also going off of what Chris was saying um, is just, like, the classic writing advice which is write what you know mm. like I'm not gonna try to write a poem about how terrible it is to go to war because I've never been to war and that is something like that is terrible probably and you may feel the need to like write poetry to express express the truths of the world but if you're writing about a truth that you don't understand then it probably won't be a very genuine poem um, so it comes down to like paying attention and then writing about what you've paid attention to. Mm. Solid advice. I feel like I'm ready to start writing poetry now, guys. Go, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, <clears throat> you guys ready? I'm Vul ready. Vulnerability time? <clears throat> or maybe it doesn't feel vulnerable, doesn't matter. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, okay, so I guess normally in our poetry club nights, uh, someone will read, and then people have permission to ask a question. Because it's what? The rules are you're not allowed to give, like, uh, preface your poem? Is that the rule? Yeah, I would say more like no disclaimers, because I think everybody, upon having to read a poem, wants to say like, oh, this isn't that good, or this is just a silly little poem, um, <laughs> and we don't, <laughs> we don't uh, validate that. In the <laughs> <poetry> <laughs> <poem>. <laughs> okay, so what I would love to do with this is, we'll go around in some order, doesn't matter, uh, read your poem, and then one person for each poem can ask a question to follow up, just to like model what poetry club night here kind of looks like. How does that sound? Good. Sounds wow, good. Thumb, good. thumbs up. Halfway <laughs> around the room. <laughs> All right, who's gonna be the bold first person? Sure. Wow, go Chris. Alrighty, here's a poem I wrote about a night walk. It's been so long, old friend. Perhaps the count is nil, the night quite still, awake with expectation. Some cat steps out, face cast and pout, sad solemn apparition. The leaves don't move, frozen they prove my idle recollection. Why strain against the dark deep ride of light and time and grief and joy? The nations rage in vain, you said. Old friend, we've come this far. A car slinks by with ragged sigh, harried for destination. Cold buildings rise, sent for demise, emptied of satisfaction. Bald light blinks on, through windows drawn, confused my meditation. So strain against the pale blue tide of waning hope, receding sight. The nations rage in vain, you said. I smiled at your wisdom then. It's been too long, old friend. I have a question about the poem. What's the question? Um, in the poem, there is a cat and a car, which sort of slink by the speaker of the poem. And I'm wondering if they maybe like are meant to represent the same thing, and if so, what? I think when I wrote this poem, I was less thinking about what those different things represent and more just trying to describe the things I've seen as I walked around this area at night. And so if it perhaps represents other things, that's kind of by accident and a fun bonus. <laughs> fun bonus. <laughs> and I feel like that's just inherent to like pointing someone's attention to a thing. They want to know what it means. <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. No problem. Okay, I'll share next. This phone was called, What Keeps You? What keeps you from leaving me? Oh Lord, I do not know. When it seems I reject you at every turn from the whole of my soul. We are locked in this dance. Your grip is so much tighter than mine. You've taught me the moves, but I have no sense of rhythm of time. You are a dancer and I am drunk. I writhe and bite my tongue. 
taste blood and scowl at the new dance that's just begun. We are locked in this dance, and I wonder why you do not leave me to find a better partner. There are times when you and I could not be further, and yet you call yourself my father. As I wriggle and spit blood in your face, you hold me fast, choreograph with perfect improvised grace. There will be a day, you promise, when this struggle will be done, when I will stop this manic resistance and you will close the distance between this proud heart and your gentle one. Until then, I struggle, and it seems the only moments I surrender come when I've mangled my tongue and my limbs are so tired from all of their flailing and my breathing is failing and I'm limp in your arms and I whisper, Lord, let your will be done. You hold me there in your embrace. You heal my wounds with tears from your face and nurse me back to health until I am well enough to spit blood in your face again. All this time you call me friend. Any questions? <laughs> Not a question, but that was the poem that inspired me to start writing poems, so mm. it's kind of cool. Kat is making a face. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it seem like she might have a question. Um, I don't know how to phrase it, but like, what did this poem come out of? Did it start with just an image and then the rest kind of fall into place or was it like a build-up that then got put into an image, if that makes sense? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I started with the image and I think, is it, Maddie, do you sometimes say that walking with God is like a dance? Mm-hmm. So that was the start. I think we were having a conversation and you mentioned that. And I was, I think I was going through sort of a rough time. Um, and I was like, if this is a dance, it's going really badly because I'm the worst dance partner <laughs> of all time. <laughs> you know, like if this is a dance, it's more like God is like dragging me around the floor <laughs> like a puppet. And even, even more than that, like there's times I'm actively resisting him, mm. um, but he loves me more than to just let me go. So I definitely started with the image. Thanks for sharing. Do we just keep going around the circle? Sure. Lauren's turn. Um, I wrote this a couple months ago. Um, just about some things that were on my mind. And it's, it's appropriately called thinking. I've been thinking a lot lately about quiet, about peace, about the sigh and rattle of leaves on the pavement. I've been thinking about stillness. I am learning how, in a traffic-heavy world, in a haywire and hectic and turbulent world, to let myself be still. I am learning to be calm again. It is an easy thing to forget. I've been thinking about the whisper of autumn the slow-growing chill, thinking about the shock of flaming leaves against deep brown bark, about the vibrance of death, 
I've been thinking about compost, about decomposing, about beauty taking root in the stillness, about growth sprouting from decay. Maybe I need to trim off my dead parts. Maybe I need to plant them beneath my feet. Maybe then I can grow. I've been thinking about that. Endings breed beginnings. Death begets life. I only need to wait for the bud. I only need to be still and know. What I'm wondering about your poem, Lauren, mm -hmm. unless there's another question. Um, there are so many images that they, they're all connected, but they're also like kind of jarring, especially when you talk about like, I think mortality and then like composting mm -hmm. in like seemingly like a pretty practical sense. Um, but like which of, did you start with one image and then work out? Or was there one image which sort of informed like the rest and their connection? That's a good... Hmm. <laughs> I also think I just said the same option two different ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think... Maybe, I think maybe it started with the image of compost. Because I was thinking about how a lot of the time you need to die to certain things in order to move past them. And how compost is like stuff that has died and is rotten and isn't good anymore but like is necessary to like fertilize soil and help things grow and so that's kind of I think where I started where I was like oh maybe this is like a composting thing maybe this is like the metaphor for getting rid of stuff that's been hindering me that is like rotten on the surface but actually will help me grow I don't know yeah. I think it started with the idea of composting maybe I don't know. Cool. <laughs> I don't quite remember. It was a very stream of consciousness poem. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Catherine? Yeah, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a poem I wrote a while ago called Regretfully. Of course you're sad. I am always in your line of sight. And of course I smile. Because when I pour my cereal in the morning, there you are. Fiddling with the radio wires. Burning your fingertips on the stove. When I raise my shoulders to guard against the static of others, you choose the heaviest grocery bags and still open my car door. Maybe one day, I will snatch your eyes and hold them between my whitened knuckles and show you how softly you notice things. But isn't that always how it is with me? I try to help and I choke you. I teach the starling to fly. Its mother and the asphalt shake their heads and notice me too. Clumsy fool. When my sticky fingers finally shake your hand, it's gone cold, so cold. 
that poem, I've heard it once before and it always like, well, both times I've heard it, it's just crazy that like, there's so many different images that shouldn't make sense together, but they do. And it, yeah, I love that poem. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> there's one part of the poem where you talk, or the speaker talks about plucking eyeballs out <laughs> of someone's head. How did you think of that? And am I understanding it correctly? <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, thank you. Um, <laughs> I am sorry, but you are understanding it correctly. <laughs> um, I wrote this poem about a friend who um, struggles with um, how they see themselves, I think, sometimes. And I just um, was consistently having this emotion of like, kind of just wanting to shake them and like make them see themselves through the way that I saw them and like show them how loved they were and how good at loving things they were. Mm -hmm. And um, I think in a way that maybe I haven't examined <laughs> enough that was like, not a not a literal urge but like an urge to want to like just take their eyes and make them like look at themselves um but i think that is an urge that is maybe has not been very helpful and so i was trying to add in the violence of like how it's uh, a, a maybe noble goal to have but not very helpful in a practical sense to take someone's eyeballs out of their head <laughs> and kind of the tension of those two things together. And this is the sick thing about poetry is that like the way that Catherine's brain works is like different than anyone else's and I <laughs> like only she could come up with an idea of like plucking eyeballs out of someone's head. Um, but it works. And I think, like, that's another great part about poetry is that you can't write like other people. You can become a great poet by just writing more like yourself. Mm. And that every, like, it's not like a, a contest. Like, everyone can be an amazing poet by being true to themselves. Mm. Mic drop. I was gonna say, what a way to close. <laughs> Well, thank you guys. I think this, well, I think I've told you all, <clears throat> you guys are like a huge gift in my life. And I feel like this is a gift to just pull out a bit more of your kind of journey with poetry <clears throat> and other people get a glimpse into that too. So thank you for sharing and for being honest and true to yourselves. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, any closing remarks? We're looking forward to hearing your first poem, mm -hmm. Maddie. Uh -huh. <laughs> so true. Is there going to be an episode two? <clears throat> no pressure. <laughs> A whole episode of Maddie talking about her poem. But it'll come out in 2027 <laughs> when Maddie no longer has a podcast. <laughs> cool. Well, there's no final words. This is the end. Thanks for tuning in. And part two will be coming out at a later date with the other four members of this. If you think That's we're it. good poets, you just wait for <laughs> these guys. And if you don't think we're good poets, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> <laughs>